2: Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. A friend said to me recently that the way to protect your child from depression and anxiety, to some extent, is to let them have a lot of unsupervised play and minimal screen time. And I thought to myself, this is not rocket science, but it's so hard to achieve. I think a lot of people realize that this is the path to having, you know, kind of a happier child, but are unable to do it. And I thought back to when my own kids were eight, five, and two in Brooklyn, and I noticed that my then eight-year-old didn't have peers at the playground. The child population of the park abruptly cut off at a certain age. My two-year-old was saddling up to other two-year-olds who enjoyed, you know, pushing objects like strollers and scooters around the perimeter of the park. My five-year-old would join a crew of other five-year-old boys and getting inexplicably dirty and turning all available sticks into weapons. But my eight-year-old would often find herself with no one her age around and end up hanging off the monkey bars by herself. Where were the kids? And of course, it turned out they were all in after-school or weekend programs. Some did coding, some learned another language, some took art or music. My daughter did all of this too at least in part because everyone else did it and it'd be weird not to, but we still left her with a lot of time to do nothing much, especially outside. And it got harder and harder to find kids her age to do the same. Now my kids are 13, 10, and 8, and we still prioritize them hanging out with friends, limiting their screens, but it's rare to see the kids just playing outside on their own. There are a lot of kids on our block, but very few just run around outside, ride their bikes or scooters or whatever, and just play outside with no plan and and no structured event. One neighbor told me that kids used to play outside a lot, but COVID moved everyone indoors and they just never reverted to form. You know, this is South Florida. Nothing depresses me more than hearing that. Unstructured play helps kids negotiate friendships and use their imaginations to create a good time for themselves. The physical activity of play also keeps kids healthy and fights obesity and the rest of it, but it mostly makes them not boring and not able to be as bored as kids who rely on constant structure to have a good time. You know, back in 2018, the website Mashable posted a video of a UK school program that was very happy with the results they were having from having students run around 15 minutes a day outside. And one of my all-time favorites, the University of Tennessee law professor Glenn Reynolds tweeted at the time, we shall call it recess. It's not like we don't know that the accidental exercise of play has a variety of benefit for kids. So why don't we encourage it more? There's this worry and I remember writing about it years ago, but that any minute not overscheduled will lead to kids getting up to no good. Mayor of New York Bill de Blasio made some comment like we can't have kids, you know, not having anything to do. So in addition to the concern that kids will get into trouble if they aren't meticulously scheduled in an after-school and weekend programming, The other thing that parents and society, I guess, worries about is screen time. The idea is that any moment that isn't filled can devolve into TV or tablet time. And to fight it, families are limiting free play. Like, of course my kid needs to be in 17 activities. How could I keep him off his iPad otherwise? What if parents simply parented their children and said no to too much TV and tablet time? The choice doesn't have to be between planned and paid for activities or drooling in front of the tube or being on the quote unquote streets. You know, take your eight, 10, 12 year olds to the park, let them climb stuff and make new friends on the fly. Think of it as like an enrichment class for your kids, Monkey Bars 101. It's just as important as their other classes, but free and useful. Coming up next,
3: an interview with Jason Riley. Join us after the break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic.
4: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined.
2: Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. My guest today is Jason Riley. Jason is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and columnist for the Wall Street Journal. So nice to have you on, Jason.
5: Good to be with you, Carol.
2: So in the research I was doing before having you on the show, I discovered you're super prolific and I don't feel like I was aware of that. You've written four books. Um, Which one was your favorite?
5: Um, <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. You,
2: you hate them all, right? No, no. <laughs> the, the,
5: the one I probably enjoyed uh, researching the most was a, a biography of the economist Thomas Soule, mm. someone who had been a um, real intellectual hero of mine uh, growing up when I was sort of uh, uh, starting to think about a lot of the issues I write about today. And, and his, uh, his background is really fascinating as is his body of work. So I I did very much enjoy um, uh, diving, doing a deep dive into his life and his writings. And uh, so that's probably my favorite.
2: I really enjoyed that one. Um, I have to catch up. I don't think I've read two of them. So uh, I'll get get on that before (laughs) your next appearance. I've always enjoyed your column um, and your your writing in general. uh, But the column that made me reach out to you Uh, to have you on the show was the one that you describe as the left-wing intellectuals who claim to care deeply about the circumstances of low-income minorities are simultaneously reluctant to tell them the truth about what drives social inequality. And you were describing Melissa Kearney's new book, The Two-Parent Privilege. I've talked about that book on the show before, but I particularly particularly liked Um, how you pointed out that her book is not actually provocative or earth-shattering and plenty of people have made the marriage is good argument before using data and numbers just like her Um, but that her argument is aimed at liberals uh, who know that she's right but won't say so so how do you challenge that
5: well i guess you 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 i guess you praise the liberals uh like i try to do who do speak honestly about these topics and you know if they don't want to hear it uh coming from from me or coming from charles murray or coming from james Mm -hmm. q wilson maybe they'll want to hear it coming from melissa uh carney uh so that's why i decided to write about the book but she's um she's absolutely right i mean we, we just have a ton of research showing that uh children that come from two parent families tend to do better in life and that has been the case for a long long time and yet um, uh, we continue to downplay the significance mm-hmm. of the two-parent family uh, and, and watch it uh, diminish in terms of its frequency. I think the data she had in there was that in 1960, just 5% of babies were born to single moms. Hmm. In 2019, it was close to half. I mean, right. you, know, you mm-hmm. know, two-parent families are the best way we know uh, any civilization has known, to raise the next generation. I mean, the idea that you could see that sort of deterioration in, in the institution of, of, uh, that, that raises the next generation and expect there to be no consequences right. is just ridiculous on its face.
2: So do you think that her book moves the needle? Do you think liberals do? I mean, the thing is that they are largely the people who are saying to her, um, we agree with you, we just don't think it's appropriate for you to say so are living that married, two-parent, yes. fa- family life. So how do we make them kind of admit what they have and what they're pushing other people not to have?
5: Well, I think we have to call them out on it, uh, frankly, and, 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 and highlight how ridiculous and how hypocritical um, uh, their actions are uh, versus versus their words. Uh, like, you're, you're right. I mean, the, the old phrase for this used to be, um, uh, living the fifties and talking the sixties. And for <laughs> your, your viewers that are, are, are too young maybe to get that, it was, it was a reference to the 1950s when you mm-hmm. much had you know, more conservative social values and, and contrasting that with the 1960s where you had this countercultural, uh, revolution taking place and, and, uh, uh, protest and, 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 and drugs and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to embrace all that. Right. and and many of the adults who did embrace it nevertheless made sure that they didn't live that lifestyle themselves <laughs> and mm-hmm. i think you have a lot of that going on today
2: yeah i think it's uh you know live right talk left is the yeah. is the is the more you know the yeah. version i've heard recently so yeah sorry
5: no i, I was just going to say and, and and one of the things that's fascinating uh, about um the importance of the two parent family is that the outcomes um, transcend not only race and Mm -hmm. and ethnicity, but also uh, income levels. In other words, there is a stronger correlation uh, between um, uh, someone coming from a a single-parent home and winding up in jail Mm -hmm. than there is someone being Black or Hispanic and winding up in jail. Right, Uh, Kids who, uh, you know... Black boys in general are suspended from school at higher rates than white boys. But black boys from two-parent families are suspended less often than white boys from single-parent homes. Right. So again, the importance of the family transcends uh, a lot of these other factors that we look at as, as root causes of kids getting into trouble or getting involved with drugs and so forth down the road. And that's why I think the the, the right focus is on uh, reestablishing the importance of the two-parent family. And, and we know, and we always have to yeah. use this caveat, we know that mm-hmm. there are heroic single moms course, out there that right. have beat the odds. Mm-hmm. Some of us are even related to them. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, but nevertheless, I think as a society, in, in terms right. of public policy, our focus should be on steering the next generation uh, in the right direction so that they don't have to face those odds to begin with. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's I think, where the debate needs to be had.
2: Kearney, she actually describes marriage as people see it as a luxury belief now, and I think that's such a big challenge to overcome like where you know poor or middle class people see it as something rich people do, and that's just wild to me. why 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 would that be the case? I,
5: I think that um, uh, you know partly this has to do with um, an inability. Uh, in society today, to speak simple truths about any number of things. I mean, Carney has these these stories about how when she was working on this book, um, some of her her colleagues in academia would approach her and say, "Are you sure you want to publish right. your findings? Do you, you know, mm-hmm. you might be ostracized in certain social circles that you're now embraced. in. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be considered a, a conservative." Uh, And a social conservative. (laughs) And then that's Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, uh, nothing's worse than that in in the circles that she runs in. But, you know, put put the talk about talking up marriage aside. Um, You're not allowed to say that, you know, the kid who swam on the boys team last year shouldn't be swimming on the girls team this year. Right. You're not allowed to say that math isn't racist. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to say that punctuality is not white supremacy. I
2: mean, there, there are so many I things think out is, there. It is white supremacy because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm never on time, and you know, Jews, Jews are only recently white. So, <laughs> so, uh,
5: so there are any number of areas where um, the adults in the room uh, are, are no longer behaving like adults, and I guess we see that playing out on the college campuses um, uh, today um, mm-hmm. uh, once again. But, but it's not just saying honest things about marriage there are there are so many things that have become verboten recently that uh uh you know a a generation ago they'd look at this as as completely ridiculous
2: right yeah telling the truth has become revolutionary (laughs) somehow yeah (laughs) um Mm -hmm. your wife naomi Schaefer riley is also a writer and you guys are in a similar right of center political space uh do you guys have any disagreements on big issues
5: Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's get into it, Jason. <laughs> I won't tell that um, you said anything.
5: <laughs> um, she's uh, not, not, on, not on big issues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't think of any really big issues where we have uh, uh, big disagreements now. No. Right.
2: Does she change your mind or you, do you change her mind? How does it, how does it normally go? Because I oh, know I, don't I cha- change, her I change mind. my husband's <laughs> mind. <laughs> <laughs> My husband has I, made I don't great her strides. She changes my mind
5: all the time. She's she's absolutely. That's right.
2: Good, good answer. Good answer. How long have you been a writer?
5: I've been writing um, since college. Um, I uh, started writing for the Wall Street Journal about six months after graduating from college. Wow. I've been writing for them for almost thirty years now.
0: Wow. Uh, so
5: amazing. I I, um, I I started uh, at the school at the college newspaper was my first mm-hmm. job as a as a journalist. And then I had an internship or two and worked at the local paper, uh, where I went to school and uh, for about six months after graduation. And then I I joined the wall street journal.
2: Wow. So any, any takes that you've had over those 30 years that you regret? (laughs) (laughs) I asked Um, this question of Kyle Smith and he was definitive. No, he stands by everything he's ever written.
5: (laughs) I can't think of anything I I I take back. Um uh, th- maybe the tone would be a little different as you mature. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a there there should be, I guess a little less self-righteousness uh as you get older. Um uh but I I I think that um I I pretty much stand by what I what I think I've written uh, over the years.
2: Yeah. All right, I'm going to have to go back and read some snarky early Jason <laughs> Riley col- columns.
5: Yes, yes. So no shortage f- of those. <laughs>
2: Do you feel like you've made it?
5: Made it? Oh wow! Well, uh, the expectations were not very high for me. Pretty much, I <laughs> had to stay out of jail, and uh-huh. that would be considered a, a huge success in it. life. By, uh, um, um, no, I, 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 I think that uh, you know, I, I wanted to uh, uh, get married, have a family, uh, make a career as a journalist, mm-hmm. and uh, so far, so good. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're on the right track. You're yes. like. <laughs> Really heading in that direction. Yeah. What would you say um, is the biggest societal or cultural challenge that America faces, and do you think it's solvable?
5: Well, I, I would point to what we were started out discussing: the breakdown of the family uh, because of all the bad outcomes um, that uh, that result from that. You know, mm-hmm. from uh, you know, crime, uh, you know, substance abuse. Um, um, uh, you know, teen pregnancy, uh, the cycle that, that occurs. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that is something we, we need to address. I think we, um, we can. I haven't, I haven't given up on it. Um, we have, certainly have examples out there of, of that it still does work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the, the, the highest performing groups in the U.S. right now, um, you're talking about Asian-Americans. Mm-hmm. Guess who has the highest marriage rates and the lowest right. out-of-wedlock birth rates? Mm-hmm. Asians. So yeah. it still works, um, and there are still examples around, and not just Asians in America. If you mm-hmm. look at South Korea, you will see the same thing. Uh, if you look at Japan, you will see the same thing. And th- this is something that is not limited to um, to to the U.S. by by any stretch. So, so I I, I think that is um, a big big problem. I also um, aside from that, look at. Um, the political divisions in the country Mm -hmm. and and particularly the role that I think social media is has been playing in 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 those divisions and it Mm. it seems to me like that's something uh social media that is that we still haven't gotten our heads around and um as this new phenomenon and how to deal with it and uh so I think that is a, a challenge going forward but I do think it's something that we eventually will get Get the hang of, but unfortunately, you know, I think things might mm-hmm. might get worse before they get better on that front.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you let your kids have social media? Or are you guys pretty strict <laughs> about it?
5: Speaking of disagreements with my right. wife, oh, so
2: there you go. <laughs> there, there. So there is some.
5: You know, it's 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 hard as your children get older. Um, mm-hmm. I have two teenagers and one preteen.
2: How old are and
5: they? and, and uh, I'm sorry. How old are they? I have a 16 year old, a 14 year old. And an 11-year-old. Okay. And the 16-year-old and the 14-year-old, um, it's, it's very hard for them not to be on, on screens and, and even on social media, mm-hmm. um, uh, even in, in terms of what the school is expecting of them, in terms mm-hmm. of doing their schoolwork. Uh, and I, I do take some issue with that. We were very strict with screen time uh, uh, before they were teenagers, and, and mm-hmm. that just became more and more untenable right as uh, as they got older and so you're sort of almost working against the educators there what what you're trying to do at home and what they mm-hmm. want the kids to do at, at at school um but but by and large um you know if, if anything uh since social media is all the kids have ever known uh maybe they'll adapt uh better than we will as adults or for, right. for whom this is just uh, a new phenomenon and something we've previously never experienced
2: Interesting. So it's funny, because I also have three kids, um, 13, 10, and eight. Uh, and it's my 13 and 10 sort of get the limitations on social media that we set. Mm-hmm. But my eight year old, and I've heard this from other parents at that age group, they're really young, like six, seven, eight, they somehow are like, I mean, he's not on any social media, obviously, he's mm-hmm. eight years old, he doesn't have a phone, he doesn't have anything. Right. Um, but he's like, I want to be on TikTok, like, I want to be doing dances. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, I, I wonder if it's like, I, again, I've heard this from other parents that the youngest child is usually the one who wants it the most because they see like older kids elsewhere. Yeah, um, uh,
5: that was going to be my observation uh, that our youngest mm-hmm. who also isn't doesn't have a phone uh, mm-hmm. or isn't on social media, uh, sees their older siblings constantly staring at the screens and, and gets a little envious. So I guess that yeah. that's not a new phenomenon <laughs> in terms of being right. being the youngest. I had an yeah. older sister. Uh, And so I wanted to do things that she was allowed to do before me as well. So that that's not necessary.
2: We're going to take a quick break and be right back on the Carol Markowitz show.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
4: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
1: I see the older kids, I mean, maybe this is just my kids, but my 13-year-old, like, it's almost like a
2: point of pride that she's not on it. Like She's on Snapchat with her friends, but that's uh-huh. it. But it's like, I'm cool because I'm not on any of this Like you know, TikTok Yeah, or I whatever. guess that's
5: the uh, I hope thinking that's where we wanted goes. the kids to have about tattoos.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so much more. <laughs> I'm going to stand
5: out by not getting one. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> I'm like, how about you rebel by also not being a liberal? You know, yeah. <laughs> just in case we're throwing out rebellious, right. You know ideas yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so, for my last question, end with your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives.
5: Oh wow! Okay, uh, yeah, Dear <laughs> I, I trust you, question. Jason. <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess I'd pick up on the on the social media phenomenon um, mm-hmm. that I was talking about as a problem, and uh, one of the reasons it's a problem is because uh, you know previous generations tended to, to, to have overlapping sources of news. Um, you know, I grew up watching uh, three television channels, basically.
3: Mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and then we would all go off and, and have our debates, but we all watched the three, same three networks. Right. And then had our debates about them. Today, uh, you don't have that. And, and social media sort of abets this ability to um, uh, only, only watch what you want to watch. Mm-hmm. and have your 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 prejudices reinforced and 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 so uh, as i often tell people the problem is not that someone watches msnbc or someone watches fox mm-hmm. the problem is when you only watch msnbc or only watch fox and mm-hmm. and you really can't relate to 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 your 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 neighbor who who doesn't watch the same things you watch so i always encourage people to um uh to 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 Flip, flip the channel. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. right.
5: read, read, read opinions you disagree with. Uh, get mm-hmm. to know so that you know where other people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that that is one way to help us sort of dial it down a little bit in terms of the volume of the disagreement uh, and, and perhaps not be talking past one another to the extent that we that we currently are.
2: Ambitious, very ambitious to listen, no. listen to other people's opinions that you don't agree no. with. Okay. No. No. <laughs> and that might improve your life. Well, thank you so much, Jason. It's been really thank great you. to have you on. Uh, find him in the Wall Street Journal. He's fantastic, he writes often. Um, check him out. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.